everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I am looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, what's up? Not too much. Like an uh, uneventful week so far. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, every once in a while, that's a good thing, right? No drama, no nothing going on. Um, yeah, a little bad weather. So not a lot of outdoor activity, um, even though it's spring. But May's coming up, and I can see you. Yeah, here I am. We're on video for the first I time. I know. It's exciting. It's nice. Yeah, I got to yeah. practice my, broad my broadcast skills now. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Looking. I mean, we're aiming for fame and fortune here. So <laughs> that's the goal. That is the goal. It is. Uh, uh, it, it is nice that it's spring. It's tennis season here. Um, so you know, my son's playing tennis. I've been getting to his matches. He had one that was like in a windstorm. So that was uh, pretty fun. You know, playing, trying to play in the windstorm, wow. but. Uh, you know, other than that, it's nice to get outside. Um, it when is. It's, when it's nice enough. Yeah, we've got, we're in full bloom. That is nice around here. All the flowers are up and everything, which is, which is nice. It, um, it also brings with it the pollen, which is not nice, but, you right. know, dealing with that as well. But Then you yeah. get to play the the game of, is this allergies or did I catch COVID? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you tr it's so true. So, so true. Um, I question myself quite a bit, but I think I've been able to identify what the allergies feel like because I've had them in the past. So fingers crossed. But I go next week for my second shot, uh, uh, my vaccination, second vaccination next Wednesday. So I'm sort of looking forward to that, getting that yeah. over with. Yeah, I'm getting mine on Sunday. So uh, we'll see if, it, uh, see if it knocks me out. I've heard you know different things from different people. I think everybody reacts a little bit differently from okay. all of the family members I know who've gotten shots and friends too. So it's just a crapshoot. Wait and see. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? I think you've got some new research. So we're going to chat about that. Um, I do. Yeah. It's the IT operations and emerging technology tracker. So it's going to be a, a regular um, uh, feature that we do. And right. uh, you can break it down for me. I'm excited. I did, I went through and looked at some of the data and uh, let's chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a tracker that we have been doing in the past when, when we first started looking at emerging technology, kind of around the same time that everyone was looking at emerging tech, um, we started putting out this tracker. And then last year, along with the pandemic, I think we were all also realizing that we needed to approach emerging tech in a different way. And we've talked about that here on the podcast. I wrote a paper on it, but we didn't put out the same thing. And so this year we modified it a little bit and I added on this IT operations piece because with emerging tech being mostly embedded in things, I think the best way to understand that is from an overall IT operations perspective. Uh, so I wanted to start with that foundation and then get into some of the nitty gritty adoption stuff that we've looked at in the past. Yeah, I, I think that approach was wise. Um, as you said, we've talked a lot about emerging tech and the fact that it is, a lot of it is very much an embedded or enabling type of technology that's in other things, right? And and so um, it's really difficult to talk about emerging tech as a discrete thing without taking into consideration, like you said, all of the other infrastructure and IT operational functions and tools that happen around emerging tech. So it, it, I think it's a nice blend. Um, yeah, yeah. So like for me, I feel like I keep coming back to a data point that we actually talked about when we talked about help desk, which is that notion of how many businesses view technology as a core competency for them. I, I think that's something that's 
changed as technology moved from something that was tactical into something that was strategic. I think if it, if IT had stayed tactical, it would have become more commoditized. But I think as it's become more strategic, now people say, well, there may be parts of this that are very routine that I want to, you know, commoditize and I would outsource or I would do something, you know, very routine. But there are a lot of parts of it that I really need to focus on for my business. And, and so I think the notion of technology being a core competency is a really interesting one. And that's where getting into the IT operations, we're trying to look at like how that's actually playing out, right? Um, and I, I, I used the framework uh, as the lens to look at IT operations. So we looked mm -hmm. at hardware, infrastructure, software development, mm -hmm. cybersecurity, and data, you know, those four areas. Uh, and we started with, you know, how, how do companies expect to invest across those four areas? And one thing that I'll admit was a little surprising to me was how much balance there was uh, between those four areas in, in terms of investment. I mean, it. Yeah, I, I looked, I noticed that when I, I was going to bring it up, but yes, they seemed almost even in percentage wise right. in terms of where they were going to invest. That's a change, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think you know, leading up to this point, you know, areas like cybersecurity and data were part of infrastructure and software development. They weren't really even standalone disciplines for a long time. And so for a company to be saying, yeah, I'm, I'm investing specifically in cybersecurity versus it's just part of my overall IT budget. You know, I, I think that that is, is a change for them to be able to break it out. And and then that evenness is interesting. And I think even, even then, the, the, the area that kind of took the lead by just a small margin was the infrastructure area. Like you tend to think of that as the tried and true, you know, the one that's been around for a long time. But there are still people that are that they need to invest in their infrastructure, whether that's, you know, endpoints or whatever. And we, we looked specifically at each one of these areas. Um, and, and OK, if you're going to invest in infrastructure, what are you investing in? And I think all of that turned out to be pretty interesting. Well, I, I wonder how much the last year of a massive shift to work from home may have impacted uh, the need to up the investment in infrastructure for employees that normally wouldn't have a laptop. And I noticed laptops were at the top of the of the list. So companies had to go out and and um, and buy those things for employees that may not have had them in their own homes or normally use them because they went to the office every day. The other thing that I thought was interesting to get to your earlier point about um, technology as um, a strategic element of, of companies is one of the things that I noticed in terms of investment throughout the four areas uh, of the framework was a, a high investment in training for existing employees. So clearly companies um, are looking to uh, ramp up the skill set of who they've already got employed with them. Um, and I'm sure additionally trying to hire people. I think there was a skills gap issue there where they're trying to find the right people. And that was a challenge as well. Um, so I think that's indicative of the fact that companies are putting technology as more of a strategic focus as, as opposed to something that is provided uh, you know, tangentially or tactically. Yeah. And that training question is such an interesting one because you know, companies for a long time just use traditional pipelines, whether that was coming out of a university, you know, a four-year degree or getting skills from, you know, even a boot camp. But I think any of those traditional paths have gotten a little shaky as there's been so much complexity in the space. You know, the fact that we're talking about these four pillars instead of two, and then obviously any one of these pillars of, of IT has a lot of different facets within it. 
Uh, and so depending on your industry, depending on your sophistication, you may be looking for skills that are very, very hard to find, you know, out on the open market or coming from the traditional pipeline. And so you have to invest more in training. Um, and that's a, that's a new thing for a lot of companies is how much are we going to invest in this and, and, you know, what makes sense for, from a long-term perspective, um, in order to retain these employees and, and make sure that we're driving our objectives forward. Yeah. The other thing I noticed in terms of investment is how low um, the use of outside providers like a, you know, a, a solution provider or a channel firm or some other type of provider consultancies um, were on the list. And I wonder what your take is on that. If it's more, um, if we need these specialized skills, is it more beneficial for a company to invest in their own people or um, or you, or just go to the people who are experts at it already on the outside. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like that number has always been lower than you might assume. Like knowing the the, the vast amount of technology that flows through the distribution channel and the consultants that are out there and everything. You know, it's it's a complete industry to itself. You know, the all of the the IT channel and and the specialists that are out there. And yet when you zoom out and you look at the overall IT picture, it's still just a piece of the pie. I, I feel like that's always been the case. Uh, and I feel like that still might be changing a little bit as people are getting a little bit more used to going direct you know, for hardware or software that they might need. Yeah. Um, or as they may be using different type of people uh, and they don't think about it as like a technology partner, but they're, you know, they're, they're dealing with a marketing consultant and technology comes into that. And maybe they should include it in, in that um, estimate that they're, they're giving of their investments. Um, but they, they don't think about it quite as much. I think all of that is changing. Yeah. And I think it really depends on the type of company it is. So for larger companies, they may be using a provider for some basics, you know, help desk outsourced, things of that nature. But then the majority of their company is being run by an internal IT department, um, whereas a smaller company may you know, be more apt to use an outside provider because they just simply don't have anybody in-house to do it. So it's it's a little subjective, I think, in terms of um, but I, in terms of whether or not you use an outside provider or not, but I think you're right that those numbers have stayed sort of the same. The other thing that struck me was how important, um, I'm switching gears a little bit here uh, to talk about emerging tech um, and how important use cases and ROI um, seem to crop up in this study. Um, we've been talking for a few years now about how everybody seems to be like, oh yeah, we're doing M-Tech. We, we're, we're in this area, that area. And it was a bit of a head scratcher as to whether or not they were really doing anything with it. I found this data to be much more grounded, like down to earth in terms of, well, you know, we, we need to have a use case for why we're even gonna get into this. Right. Did, you, did you see it that way too? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt like that was kind of validation of, you know, this path that we're on where it's like you're not really talking about the discrete technologies as much. You're talking about how they're used and how they're embedded and what the solution is. Uh, and that seemed to resonate with people. That that seemed to be the way that companies are talking about it. But, yeah, there, there's quite a bit to unpack in the emerging tech section here. Um, so, yeah, I guess we should uh, we can just jump into it. Um, I, the use cases are are super interesting. And I think people are saying, like, I need to understand how I'm going to use this thing. Um, and, and we looked at specific use cases for some of the most popular technologies. 
Uh, but before we get into that, I think, you know, we started with just overall adoption, you know, like of this big list of technologies, you know, which ones do you think um, are, are getting adopted or which ones do you think that your company is using? And as in the past, I think that you look at the data and you see a little bit of uncertainty, you know, maybe some confusion. Um, so we can kind of get the big one out of the way here. You know, the one that jumped out to me in terms of companies that said, we are using this actively in our company, um, we're using it heavily. The one that was on the top of the list was 5G. And I think <laughs> for all of us that have been paying attention to 5G, it's like, it's not even rolled out yet very fully. And so not that many companies can possibly be using it. And so you look at it and you say, well, what's what's going on there, right? And, and you know, do people, what's causing confusion? I think one thing is just 5G has been, much more of like a, a marketed term, uh, not a marketing term, but a marketed term. Like how many commercials do you see on 5G right. versus how many commercials do you see even on internet of things, right? A 5G mm -hmm. is all over the place. Yeah. And, and this survey went to not just technical people, but people in business units. It went to executives, right? It went to people that probably aren't familiar with the technology stack that their company is using. And so they see these commercials, they might even look at their phone. And like, I know I'm on AT&T's network and for the past maybe two years now, I can be in, a, in an area and I see they put, you know, where, where they tell you what network you're on, it says 5GE. And it's not really a 5G network, it's just an advanced uh, 4G network, but they're kind of playing the marketing game. And again, if I didn't know what was going on, I'd probably look at my phone and I'd be like, oh, I'm on a 5G network. I don't um, think I know that. What does the E stand for? It's like enhanced or something, but it's just, it, you're not really on a 5G network. But again, if if you were looking at your business phone, you know, and you're in a business unit and you just look at it and you're like, oh, 5GE, we must be on 5G now. Um, right. And in reality, you're not. So I think, I think there's a lot of confusion there. And that confusion probably applies to almost any technology in the list. But the fact that you see 5G on the top really underlines the fact that, uh, these things are kind of confusing and it's not super clear when you're using them. Now, now for something like drones, I think you probably know if you're using a drone or not, but you know, when it comes to 5G or IoT or AI, I think it gets a little murky. Well, I'm gonna, one thing you said um, is the confusion is, well, it's not exclusive to non-technical people because I've got some data back and we're gonna talk about this uh, in, in a coming uh, episode of Volley uh, from our annual State of the Channel study. And we ask, you know, what are the top emerging tech areas that you are have adopted and are selling or whatever? Um, and 5G is number one. Yeah. So, um, so I was thoroughly confused by that because these these are people, these are respondents that should know for the most part. I mean, we do have executives who answer in that survey as well. So it could be a little bit of what you're talking about here. But um, I think it's time for uh, uh, use case follow up questions when it comes to 5G on the next few surveys that we do. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I think, I think beyond that, the other big thing that jumps out when you just look at the full list of technologies and where companies say they are in their adoption is that this doesn't seem to be moving all that fast. Um, so the number of companies that say this is implemented and we're heavily utilizing it, it's generally, you know, at or below 25%. Um, so, you know, I think these things are making their way into businesses, but again, you know, the pandemic probably got in the way, but I, 
I, I think that these numbers are consistent with what we had seen in the past few years, right? You know, we weren't seeing things just take off like a rocket. Uh, and there's there's a lot of complexity here. You know, the, the top two in my mind are IoT and AI. You know, th those are the top two that are making their way into solutions, sometimes in very simple ways, sometimes in complicated ways. But I think even for the simple ways, there is a lot of complexity there. Uh, and it's not just buying a thing off the shelf and sticking it into a rack in your server room and you're up and running, right? Um, so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think that that's, that slowness in adoption, I think is taking a little while for the industry to um, wrap their, their brain around because we saw with cloud computing, it just took off, you know, like gangbusters. Uh, and that's that's not been the case here for a lot of these. Well, I think it all goes back to use cases, though, because emerging technology, and we've we've definitely hammered this one home quite a bit, um, is just this giant umbrella term for all of these individual technologies that aren't necessarily related. Um, and so you as a company have to figure out, you know, which of these, if any, are applicable to what we do and uh, in, in our business. And I think that may be slowing down. It's like the vetting process really um, is a lot slower than say something like you said, like cloud computing was one sort of amorphous thing, you know, that's overgeneralization, but um, it was not a bunch of very discrete technologies. It was more of a platform than um, than a bunch of a bunch of technologies. So there's got to be some sort of um, vetting process, like I said, that companies have to go through and decide, you know, do we, I mean, drones, that seems like an easy one for me. You're either in a business that would take advantage of a drone or you're not. I mean, um, other things are stickier or trickier, I should say, uh, like an AI. I mean, AI can be in anything. And right. uh, and I think as we talk, I think we're going to be talking um, at another volley coming up about automation. And I think as more companies start to introduce um, automation into their organization, a lot of AI is plugged into that too. So you'll see that become one of the like underlying enabling technologies for um, a lot of automation processes that happen. But yeah, it's not a one size fits all, I guess is the best way to describe it. Right. And I, I think the conversation has to change, right? So like if I look at the use cases for uh, IoT, you, you see on the top of the list, you know, things like inventory management, uh, or then the management of physical space. So like dealing with, you know, your HVAC or your water in your building, you know, something like that. I, I think that's the conversation that that there has to be. And we, we've talked so much, you know, within the industry about solutions and like, are, are you are you selling a solution or are you selling a product? And I, I think a lot of people that are selling products like to think that they're selling solutions, but at the end of the day, it's still just a product. These are real solutions, right? This isn't walking into a company and saying, let's talk about your network. You know, what equipment do you need and how does it need to be configured and how does it need to be monitored and managed? This is saying, you've got a business problem. You've got inventory management. So what are the metrics around that? And how can technology impact those metrics? And I think that's a very different discussion uh, for a lot of people. And, and even for a lot of businesses, right? I mean, even the, the end client isn't quite used to having that discussion where technology and the business solution are going hand in hand and you can't talk about one without the other. Yeah, I mean, this is impacting, you know, anyone who sells technology solutions to, um, to end clients. Like you said, they've had to revamp the way they go to market and how the kind of conversations that they have and become more consultative and talk purely about business problems. 
um, and then provide these kinds of use cases. So you're going to sell to a manufacturing firm that has giant warehouses and they want to keep track of inventory and they want to keep track of, you know, whether something's going wrong out in a, you know, the far field in the warehouse and there's not a human out there. Um, being able to have those kinds of conversations and then map it to a particular type of technology solution are the kind of successful sales conversations that need to happen. And I think we're at a little bit of a, a transition period for a lot of more traditional channel firms um, and and clients as well, where they're not used to having that. They're used to having you know some physical thing plopped in front of them, and and they're told this is what we're selling you, and let me show you some features. And so, um, and then we've been going through this process of change for for quite some time now, but I think it's really accelerated with this new crop of technologies that we're seeing. Yeah, I I, I think so too. I feel like my takeaway. Uh, out of this data is about the same as it was last year, you know, with the white paper that, you know, emerging technology is a thing. It's it's a real thing, but it's not a thing that you talk about directly. Like you you have to be talking about the higher order use cases, you know, and business uses. That's how the conversation gets in. Um, and and so if you're if you're talking about selling technology, um a lot of these things aren't going to be directly sold, uh, and and again, there there are some opportunities for direct selling. There's some opportunities for managed services around some of these things, but I think the larger conversation is around these use cases, building unique solutions uh, that that embed these technologies, uh, and in a lot of cases, tailoring it for either an, an industry vertical or a company. Yep, I think that was well said. I have nothing to add there, buddy. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll end on that note then. Okay. Sounds good. When so are we going to do this annually? You're going to be doing this one, or yeah, I think I think now that we've got it kind of in this format, I think this is one that I definitely want to put out year over year and see how the investments are changing, see how the adoption is changing, you know, see what new use cases might be popping up and that type yeah. of thing. Awesome. Yeah, but but for now, uh, this data set is out on SlideShare. So we'll have that uh, link in the show notes and people can check out the full thing if they want to. Sounds great. All right, buddy. Uh, until next time, I'm going to look outside the window and watch the rainfall, I guess, for the rest of the day. All right. I'll, uh, I'm going to get ready for a cold tennis match this afternoon. So. Well, good luck. Good luck to Quinn. I hope he wins. Oh, thank you. All right. All right we'll see you later. Yeah, bye.